Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Pretty bulky Tuesday to recap here as we dive into Wednesday's edition of Fantasy NBA Today. I'm your host, Dan Bespris. Thanks as always, everybody, for tuning in here during the holidays. I know that this is not exactly high tide for fantasy NBA analysis, but I'll tell you what, those of you that are here with me right now, this is how we are going to beat people in leagues. I I can almost guarantee it that while a lot of folks are dialing the throttle back, we can just kind of keep socking along and it's going to pay off in a big, big way. I really do promise you. I really do promise you it's going to pay off in a big, big way. So thanks again for joining us. We're going to just keep finding stuff. I had a serious rant on yesterday's podcast. Not a rant, I guess. It's a strategic realignment. And again, I don't believe we're there yet, as evidenced by the fact that players are falling into protocols in the middle of basketball games right now. So we're still not there yet. But we're going to hit a point, I believe... In the next two weeks, maybe sooner, what is two weeks from today? I don't know. I can't keep track. There's 31 days in December. Two weeks from today is the 11th? No, 12th. Two to the 12th. I got this. I got this. Follow me along on this ridiculous journey. I believe by January 12th, not so much that the COVID wave we're in right now has crested, but I do believe that within the confines of the NBA it will have basically crested. That is to say, because a lot of these guys are boosted, because a lot of these guys have now had it or been exposed to it and didn't get it, that's the thing. Like We've seen, with the way that Omicron is getting passed around, we've seen almost everyone in the NBA right now exposed to Omicron. So there's really only so many more guys in the league, players. I don't, like, sorry, coaches, you're just not that important for this particular discussion. There are only so many more players that haven't been exposed to it and hit some sort of next whatever result it might be. They get it or they don't get it. They become asymptomatic positive, they become symptomatic positive, or they just fight it off completely. Some of those asymptomatic positives might be so damn short that they fight it off and nobody even knows. The reason I bring this up repeatedly on podcasts is because when that equilibrium shifts, we want to make sure that we're exercising the right strategy, which is at that point, you don't want to be loading up on a whole bunch of replacements because all of a sudden they're going to be crap and we're going to have to try to find rest of season guys and there aren't going to be any And you're going to be stuck with three replacement-level dudes giving you garbage fantasy lines on your head-to-head team. But anyway, that is again an explanation about yesterday's stuff. We are on to today, which we kind of blitzed through the uh, recap portion of the proceedings on yesterday's show. I want to take it a little bit more slowly here. We did see 16 of the 30 teams uh, coming up tonight. I think we pretty much see everybody else. So this is kind of a nice pre- New Year's weekend back-to-back, where this Wednesday show and the Thursday shows are going to really focus on the players, the teams, almost like a 
reverse chronological lightning round, but over a two-day span. It's kind of a look-ahead lightning round. And then Friday's show is going to be, again, a bit more strategic, a little more broad topic as we head into the new year. I might have a couple buy lows and sell highs. And then I'm kind of tuning things out for a couple of days in there, so don't be alarmed if you don't see me on the socials very much over New Year's weekend. In the meantime, please do drop me a follow on Twitter. It's at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. We continue to uh, push a lot of information out on Twitter throughout the day. And the single greatest fantasy news feed on planet Earth, Ethos Fantasy BK, operated by the amazing Mike Pasador. He's on Twitter at Mike Pandador, although he doesn't do a whole lot of uh, social media stuff. He's accidentally found his way to like 800 follows. And, of course, the great Aaron Bruski. Uh, the guys that operate our, our feed, which is Mike, um, Eric, Ong, Steve Vitovich, Adam King, we've had here on the show, and then their kind of entry, their, their trainees that are all getting much better at it as we speak. They, yesterday, I got to give a shout out before we dive into the, the recap. I got to give a shout out to our, our news feed at Sports Ethos. They beat Fantasy Labs. They beat Fantasy Labs with analysis. What does that say? Not only is it the most comprehensive and best fantasy analysis you can get out there in a fantasy news feed, it now sometimes is faster than the places that aren't even doing analysis. So check out, and, and I bring this up not because I'm trying to clown on anybody. I have Fantasy Labs open as well because they do starting lineups um, and break things down individually, like player by player by player. Sometimes, you know, with game recaps and stuff like that, Sports Ethos might give you a couple things at once. But they were faster. That's the one reason you might have had Fantasy Labs open is to get some breaking news like two minutes faster because they don't do analysis with it, and then Sports Ethos beat them. So again, that's Ethos Fantasy BK. Amazing work by those guys. Fast, concise, and brilliant. You got to get on Twitter, and you got to follow them, and then please do also follow me. Tuesday in the Association, Milwaukee beat Orlando 127-110. This game was not super interesting. Other than Hassani Gravit being pulled out mid-ball game because a COVID test came back positive. Whoopsies! Luckily, most of the Magic have already had it. Luckily, many of the Milwaukee studs have already missed time with COVID protocol, so I don't know that this is going to change a whole lot of stuff. There's still a couple of stragglers on that Orlando side that have not been in protocols, and let's just hope that this isn't the thing that gets them. We pray. We hope we pray. We also hope we pray we see Cole Anthony back for a... Uh, sustained period because that's becoming extremely annoying Gary Harris is generally startable when Cole Anthony is out in all formats he didn't have to do as much because Franz Wagner went completely buck wild and he's a start right now when the team's fully healthy he might drop back below the cut line but just don't even have to worry about that right now because we haven't heard hide nothing we've heard hide no hair uh from Markel Fultz Anytime recently, we know nothing about Jonathan Isaac. I think it's safe to just start to assume that they're not going to be healthy this year and just go with the health target we set on opening day, which is get Mo Bamba back and then Cole Anthony. There's nothing on the Milwaukee side besides the main four dudes. Bobby Portis, Drew Holiday, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Chris Middleton. Easy peasy, Grayson Allen, no. Pat Connaughton, no. Uh, DeMarcus Cousins, no. I, I, don't, I don't know why... Somebody tweeted, tweeted at me if it was time to drop DeMarcus Cousins. I literally, on a podcast, said you drop him 
before you even think Giannis or Portis is coming back. Please, if you're following me on Twitter, I beg of you to listen to the podcast every day. It's not that long. Find time to listen to it in between other things because this is when we do our deep dive stuff. And I'm not going to touch on every player every day on social media. I will touch on most players on the podcast. Grumble, grumble, grumble. Toronto got some bodies back. Not everybody, which left Chris Boucher raring to go in this one. 28 and 19. As long as he's starting, you keep starting him. And this is what we talked about with Boucher. When he gets playing time, he's ridiculous in fantasy. He wasn't getting any playing time. But there's a thing now. He may have played his way into seeing action ahead of guys like Kem Birch and Precious Achua, who still weren't back for this game. Uh, Achua cleared protocols, but he didn't have his conditioning back. Presumably, he'll be back for the next one. We also heard that Freddie Van Vliet might be back for the next one for Toronto, so this is a pretty good pivot point for that team after getting smoked with their lineup of all backups for a couple of ball games. On the Philly side, Embiid, Tobias Harris. <laughs> you guys heard my baby on that one. Uh, Tyrese Maxey is generally good to go. Don't worry about a bad ball game. Seth Curry's good to go. Without Danny Green, I still think you can probably start Matisse Thybul. 37 minutes should be enough for him. You just have to hope he gets four defensive stats. And if he doesn't, you end up with this sort of stinky line. But again, that's I mean that's the the cost of doing business here with with Thibault. You know his usage is going to be absurdly low. You're just praying that the four defensive stats come like they often do, although admittedly, not as much lately. You do wonder if maybe he's kind of running out of gas a little bit. Certainly the more interesting footnotes on this ballgame coming from the Toronto side. Gary Harris looked like a guy who'd missed a week and a half. Pascal Siakam didn't look like a guy who missed a week and a half. It's hard to know how players are going to look when they come back from 11 days in protocol or whatever the 9, 10, I think was the final number for some of those dudes. We just don't know. I can make the argument you don't start a guy his first game back, but look, Gary Gary Trent Jr. played, did I say Gary Harris? Gary Trent Jr. played 41 minutes in this game. You almost want to play anybody in the NBA if they're going to get 41 minutes in a ball game. Siakam, 42. Boucher, 38. Okay, maybe not Malachi Flynn, despite the fact that he played 32 minutes. And if Van Vliet is coming back, then that really does resettle things. I'm quite curious what happens to Chris Boucher when Achua clears protocol, or is actually reconditioned, I guess we should say, his re-education. Shout out Ned Flanders. And then Kem Birch, he just hasn't really been healthy all year, so, you know, that's more of a, like, we'll believe it when we see it thing. It seems like they prefer Achua for his ability to battle more than Boucher. And, like, look, Chris Boucher got annihilated by a Joel Embiid. Everybody... Kind of does. Toronto's defense does suffer when he's the center, but offensively, they are quite a bit better. Jimmy Butler tweaked an ankle very late in Miami's win over Washington, and if he has to miss more time, I'm going to throw a freaking bleep fit because he's just finally getting back, and he put together this ridiculous line 25 8 15 two steals two blocks eight of 16 from the floor perfect nine for nine at the free throw line he's on so many of my fantasy teams and the tailbone thing has really ruined what was otherwise an unreal run for him he's top five 
on a per-game basis. But he basically ended up missing a month in two distinct stretches here. So if he has to miss more time, I'm going to lose my mind. Uh, we don't know what Kyle Lowry's status is, so I think you can probably keep rolling with Gabe Vincent. He only got one assist, but four steals, three threes. That'll make up for it. Omar Yurtsevin, he's a start because no one else plays center for this team right now. If P.J. Tucker comes back, you may want to rethink the Yurtsevin thing. Uh, I'm not starting Caleb Martin. I don't trust it. Not starting Duncan Robinson. He's too hit or miss. He had eight three-pointers and did nothing else in this ballgame. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Tyler Harrell, yes, he's a go. He's a go with everybody, with, with people missing on this team. That's a, a bit of a no-brainer. Bradley Beal, we found out, got his vaccine, which is, you know, short-term doesn't matter all that much to us. Sounds like he's getting close to clearing protocols or might have already done so because of getting the vaccine. So perhaps he was asymptomatic, but he wasn't vaccinated, so his quarantine had to be longer, and maybe he got the vaccine now to say, look, I got it, so shorten my quarantine. He might be back for their next ball game. Spencer Dinwiddie didn't miss free throws in this one, so ended up with a pretty good ball game. Daniel Gafford was good. Um, and that was, I mean, Kuzma had a, a decent ball game, but you know I don't trust anybody beyond those. Really, it's Beal and Gafford, and when Beal is out, you can generally trust Dinwiddie, although he has those fantasy issues we've talked about, free throw, lack of steals and blocks. But if he's going to hit four threes and have 11 assists and actually shoot the ball okay in a ball game as the primary creator then you do kind of have to roll with it. But again, the other side of that is, if Beal is back for the next one for Washington, I don't know that Spencer Dinwiddie is a startable guy in nine category leagues as this whatever he is behind Beal. Second option, third option, I don't know. Lakers beat the Rockets in a very high-scoring game, 132-123. Houston shot the ball really well. Credit where credit's due, they just hit shots. I watched this game start to finish because I wanted to get a better feel for what the Lakers would look like as they moved some personnel around, and they made, I believe, some really good decisions. Notably, LeBron James starting center against Christian Wood. You don't lose a lot there. Yeah, Wood can go over LeBron if he gets close enough to the rim, but LeBron is stronger than Christian Wood. So the thought was, maybe you can keep him away a little bit. Sure enough, once Wood got close, he ended up shooting a really good percentage in the ballgame, and he had a bunch of threes. Kevin Porter Jr. hit five threes. Jalen Green hit four, but he might actually start doing stuff like that because he is more of a scoring type. Armani Brooks hit a couple. Eric Gordon went five for six shooting in this ballgame. The Rockets were bombing away. Many of them were contested. And that was the difference in this ballgame versus, I would argue, the last three for the Lakers, is they actually contested some shots. They forced only 14 turnovers from one of the, the crummier uh, ball-handling teams in the NBA. But they were much better on the glass than the Rockets, and they got a win that they needed against a bad team. But it did tell us some stuff on both sides. Firstly, Lakers went to Avery Bradley, Stanley Johnson, and Malik Monk in the starting five. I don't know what happens to that starting five when Trevor Reza comes back. My guess is that he probably takes Stanley Johnson's job. I think the Lakers are going to sign Johnson to more than a 10-day contract, but I guess we'll see how that turns out because he's out there fighting and he's playing defense where some guys aren't. The big winner in the short term is Malik Monk. And it's not just because he had 25 points 
on an efficient and pretty solid fantasy line. It's because he actually makes the most sense in this starting lineup because he can shoot. Taylor Horton Tucker at that small forward spot was a massive liability because he was biffing pick-and-roll defense repeatedly and then unable to space the floor on offense. There was no real positive for THT in the starting five. He can create a bit off the dribble, which is nice, but the Lakers already had that with LeBron and Russ. He was superfluous in what he was good at, and his negatives were just ridiculous. He was one of only two Lakers with a net negative in this ballgame. Stanley Johnson was the other one. Carmelo actually had the biggest positive plus-minus in the ball game, and some of that was because he had a really good shooting game. But a lot of that is because the Lakers could kind of cover up his defense by playing him at center for stretches. So, you know, he's not chasing around fast guys. And power forward Mello could switch with small forward or, or shooting guard or even center LeBron, and there weren't as many exposures in terms of perimeter or guys getting beat as often. And, and admittedly, this like this isn't a great Lakers defensive game. They gave up a buck 23 to a Rockets team. But if you watched it, you saw the Rockets, the looks they were getting probably weren't a 53% kind of ball game. They made some really tough ones early, and that kind of floated things when they shot the ball really well in the second half, and their looks were a little better in the second half. Uh, but there was a little bit of luck involved as well in a way that it wasn't. Like, Brooklyn was wide open on every play. San Antonio was wide open on every play. And so I think the Lakers found something they like. Life will not be so simple against everyone. The Rockets don't play any defense. But the Lakers are going to score because they've got Braun. And Russ, for all of his warts, does create havoc. Avery Bradley is not a fantasy option. Carmelo might actually be a fantasy option here in the near term. Maybe until Anthony Davis gets back, but... Almost definitely until Trevor Ariza comes back. And then those guys will probably end up sharing minutes a little bit. But the guy whose minutes are really not in jeopardy right now, at least in my estimation, is Monk. The dude that takes his minutes is Kendrick Nunn, and we have no idea when that guy's coming back. So I'm adding Malik Monk in a bunch of spots. I think he's carved out a really nice spot for himself among a bunch of creators because he can attack the rim. We saw he took eight free throws in this ballgame. He can slash. He can shoot. He is offensively skilled and defensively he's no worse than the guy they might be putting in for him which is Horton Tucker so Mello feel free to roll with it Monk feel free to roll with it it's not going to be this good every game because they're not going to score 132 they're not going to play the Rockets every game and THT is is an auto drop he's terrible he doesn't do the things they need him to do they should I don't know what they're going to do with him. He like he could maybe run a second unit, but they they want to stagger Russ and LeBron anyway, so I don't know what the hell he's going to do there. Houston side, uh, Kevin Porter Jr. came back, played really well. You're going to want to start him against really bad defenses. That's probably where you're at because his field goal percent won't be as bad against those teams. It's going to be an uphill climb against a lot of other teams. He's a bad foul shooter. Field goal percent is going to be abhorrent. And he generally doesn't do much in the steals or blocks department. You guys know my issues with KPJ, but if he has big ball games like this, a few of them in a row, you might be able to unload him. I'd be more bullish on Jalen Green. Not that his stat set is any better. Frankly, I'd argue it's worse, but he does make free throws, and he makes a bunch of threes, and it possibly doesn't hurt you in as many spots. 
And so maybe as his shot attempts per game hit the upswing here, that's a chance for him to sort of move past everybody else. And by the way, with KPJ and Jalen Green back, I think you can finally move on from Eric Gordon. Thank goodness it felt kind of gross to even talk about him for as long as we did. But yeah, you can go ahead and uh, shuffle along there now. Knicks beat the Wolves 96-88. Had a feeling that Minnesota might kind of run out of gas on the second half of a back-to-back with everybody missing and a few guys coming back but largely not really conditioned for a basketball game. Like, Patrick Beverly went 0 for 8 from the field and 3 for 6 at the free throw line. That's not something that happens every game. If he even makes a bad percentage of his shots, you're talking about at least one more free throw and three more field goals, you're probably talking about 10.7 boards, 7 assists, and a steal, and then we're discussing how Patrick Beverly had one of the best lines of the night. All that to say, add him and start him. This might be the end of the road for Malik Beasley. It sounds like D'Lo is close. Anthony Edwards is almost definitely playing in their next ball game. Uh, we heard Cap might be close as well, though. That one was sort of unconfirmed. And I haven't heard anything about Jared Vanderbilt. Keep an eye on it. Minnesota's off for a couple of days. I think if you were streaming Nathan Knight, who fouled out, by the way, in 25 minutes, you can probably move on there. My guess is that at least one big man is back before their next ball game. Nas Reed probably plays a bit more in the next one as he gets his wind back. Jaden McDaniels had a brilliant ball game. You might actually just want to hang on there and see if you could squeeze one more out of him because he has really been quite good in his four big-minute fill-in performances. I'd rather hold on to McDaniels than Malik Beasley if you were going to give anybody a little extra time on this team. And then the other guys, you can, you can move on. On the Knicks side... It's the same old crap again now. Kemba Walker needs to be more assertive. He needs to be taking more shots in the damn game than Quentin Grimes. And Julius Randle, let somebody else shoot, man. I mean, they got it done with a 96-point performance and shooting 6-for-16 at the free-throw line. Holy moly, that's bad. couple things on the Knicks side. First... With no other centers to be found, Mitchell Robinson playing starter center minutes is just delicious. I know he missed his free throws, but look, who didn't on this team? Who didn't? Who among us didn't miss all their free throws? Mitchell Robinson likely moves back to around the edge of the top 100 with another solid performance here. Uh, so he's a must-start guy. Emmanuel quickly came back, played 15 minutes. That'll probably trend up a little bit. I like him as a points league option here in the short term not a big fan in the longer term. Kemba's a hold. Burks is a drop. Fournier's been a drop for a while. R.J. Barrett was never an ad. And I think that's sort of where things sit on the Knicks side of things. Ricky Rubio blew out his knee at the end of this loss, and it, it didn't look good. Uh, recording this podcast late the night before, so we don't have a Rubio update as of me hitting the go button on this. By the time you listen to the show, there there may very well be a Rubio update. I think right now the hope is that it's a, a bad sprain of some kind. Because in that case, you might end up hanging on. If it's anything worse than that, you probably move along. Because Rubio was kind of right on the edge of fantasy value when the team was healthy. Guys started going down. Ricky started moving back up the board. He's number 113 prior to this massive ball game that pushes him right to the edge of the top 100. But again, that's the thing. Like, he's been playing better and pushing himself up because they've been missing guys. 
It's a very long way of saying let's wait and see a little bit. Kevin Love is a go while bodies are missing. He was kind of a go even when they were healthy, but he's very much a go now. Mobley, good. Markinen getting back on the right side of the ledger. And then we got to wait and see because if Rubio, I mean, we're almost certainly going to see him miss a game, and then it's a question of how many. I have no idea what this team does if they're down both Garland and Rubio. Kevin Pangos, and I'm probably not even pronouncing that right because I had no intention of talking about him. He might end up as the starting point guard, or they might go Denzel Valentine and just go big. Who knows? Point is, they ended up missing sort of one too many guys in this ballgame. It's the best way I can describe it. They were missing one too many guys and finally lost one. Herb Jones had a really nice ball game with everybody out for the uh, Pelicans. JV did come back, so at least that's good. Finally recovered from the flu or whatever the hell he had. Wasn't COVID and looked like someone who hadn't played in a little bit, but he's back, so that's good. Devontae Graham is a start with Brandon Ingram and Josh Hart both out. Garrett Temple is probably a start with both of those guys out. Herb Jones is a start with all those guys out. The only issue is we don't really know how long they're going to be out. The Pelicans, and Herb Jones probably got picked up everywhere before you even listen to the podcast. Pelicans don't play again for four days, I believe. Yeah, they go January 1st. So they're off today, tomorrow, uh, and Friday. They play Saturday. So it's quite conceivable that Josh Hart is back. And I don't know, maybe Brandon Ingram is back by then. And if that happens, then a lot of the stuff you might be looking at from this box score is kind of obsolete. So I'm pretty much not picking up anyone on the Pels. I don't want to wait three more days to see if one of them ends up as a primary option. I can't. Not with the way guys are moving in and out of protocols. I got to get what I can get when I can get it. I know. It's a little cruel, I guess. But that's the way we are right now. Like, if you have a a player on a team and you're waiting through three off days and then you might not even get to start them, that roster slot, especially in a Roto Games Cap format where you've been falling behind for three weeks, that's an opportunity to get three more games. Just can't do it. Uh, Sacramento is getting close. Davion Mitchell and Alex Len are right on the cusp, and then you pretty much have your typical Kings back, whatever that might be. I mean, this is not a good basketball team. Rashawn Holmes, who was kind of the glue, if you want to call it that, the the only thing that was keeping this from completely going off the rails, he hasn't been right since the eye laceration. He didn't have foul issues in this game the way he had the last couple, but he still doesn't look all the way right to me. Darren Fox, I've got to think he was a symptomatic COVID case because he hasn't looked good at all since coming back and actually started to seem a bit more like himself right before he got sick. And Tyrese Halliburton is the only little bits of good news. Although I guess Harrison Barnes had a better ball game. He's been kind of slowed lately as well. And everybody loves a good Damian Jones performance. Whatever. Kings are gross. That's sort of the the long and short of it. Buddy Heald, Terrence Davis, they're just fighting each other for minutes at this point. Please unload Buddy Heald so that I can add Terrence Davis and tell you guys all to just stream him while he takes 15 shots in 20 minutes off the bench like Jordan Clarkson. Uh, Oklahoma City 
has everybody in protocols. Robinson Earl, Josh Giddy, Darius Baisley, Alexei Pokashevsky, Derek Favors, Trey Mann, all in COVID protocols. So Lou Dort and Shea Gilgis-Alexander were the starting backcourt. Aaron Wiggins, young fella, Paul Watson, and Isaiah Roby were the starting front court. And it seems like we're going to basically have this configuration for a few more games. Meaning, the nice thing about this ballgame, and again, they're not going to play the Kings every game, so life won't be quite so simple each night. But I think we now know what the Thunder are planning on doing with uh, half of their roster in protocols. Namely, Roby's going to get a decent chunk of minutes. And if you're a big man not getting in foul trouble in the NBA who can actually make a free throw, there's a spot for you on a basketball team. I'm going to look around and see where Roby makes sense on some of my clubs. Aaron Wiggins potentially makes sense because he's going to be out there. I, I think he'll probably take more shots most ball games. I don't know about Paul Watson. I'm not fully sold on that one yet. Shea and, and Dort are going to be the guys taking most of the shots on offense, but if you can find a little bit of other stuff mixed in there, then hell yeah, you jump on it. Uh, I thought that we might see we might see a bit more Mike Muscala. We didn't really, which leads me to believe that it is going to be a very heavy dose of Isaiah Roby. So I, I've got a bit of a soft spot for him where I... I didn't want anybody on the Thunder on my fantasy team, and you guys have seen that all season long. I've tweeted about it. I've potted about it. But yesterday in the daytime, I tweeted, look, I'm, I'm seriously contemplating doing something with OKC because with six guys out, surely someone beyond Shea and Dort will have to hit fantasy value. And the easy answer in most of those cases is the big man. Although he basically didn't play in the second half, so who the heck knows? Probably wait and see. We were kind of wondering what the Warriors would do with Draymond Green joining Damian Lee uh, and still barely Jordan Poole in protocols. Warriors starting to get some of their guys back. Andrew Wiggins, uh, he came back and played relatively well for someone that had been out for a while. Steph had one of his, what are you, drunk kind of games? Like two of those every season. Just never quite know when they're going to pop up. Uh, I think we got some of our answer, which is that Juan Toscano-Anderson is going to get more playing time because they need his versatility. Kevin Looney, or excuse me, Kevon Looney is going to get plenty of playing time because they need any sort of big man presence on the floor. And then Wiggins, of course, slotting back in. And then Otto Porter, who moved back to the bench, he didn't really have the role that he enjoyed while everybody was out, which is you know, free reign to actually take a few shots to get a little bit of usage out there. And, you know, passive Otto Porter is not a particularly interesting fantasy thing. So I think you can probably move on from Porter. I did tweet yesterday that I was probably benching him with the news that Wiggins was back just because of how much usage that does pull away. And uh, so that, I, that ended up being seemingly a, a pretty decent decision. Um, I'm not... I don't think I'm picking up Toscano Anderson with Poole... Very close. And then Lee also quite close. They're going to end up using pretty small lineups. You might see Toscano Anderson do enough to stay fantasy relevant. I just don't think that the upside is quite high enough to warrant taking that plunge. The thing about Draymond being out now is that without that facilitating 
teams can really key on 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 Steph, and there isn't sort of a secondary playmaker on the floor. But maybe that changes when Jordan Poole gets back in the mix. He is a he's more of a gunner than anything, but he does create in a way that the guys the Warriors had healthy for yesterday's game. Outside, I guess, of Andrew Wiggins, but he's not a very good passer. Not that Poole's terrific, but he is better. I think Looney is a pretty safe play. Now, again, big man, going to get big man stuff. This was a tough matchup. He had Nikola Jokic to contend with. That never going to go all that well. But in general, Looney should see enough playing time to be fantasy relevant just with big man stats, field goal percent, rebounds, maybe a block thrown in. Certainly, you're throwing Wiggins back in the mix. Steph, duh. And that might be as far as I go with the Warriors right now. And then when Poole comes back, he would get the nod as well. Uh, Seems like maybe Will Barton is warming back up again. Monte Morris was out for Denver, dealing with knee soreness. If he has to miss any more time, Campazzo is a very easy solution at point guard. Uh, I don't know that Morris is out for more than a game, but if you want to take a chance, I suppose you could. Uh, Denver... When the hell does Denver play again? Not tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow. Um, Denver goes again on Thursday. And then again on Saturday. They go every other day, basically, until early early in January. If you wanted to take the plunge on Compazzo and then just bench him if you find out that Monte Morris is in on the Roto side, I'm fine with that because a starting point guard alongside Nikola Jokic is always going to get really good efficiency numbers. And it does look like you can start Barton again. So that's like the other side of that equation. In what has, uh, for about the better part of three, four weeks, been kind of Jokic against the universe. I want to remind you guys that uh, this podcast, as all of our podcasts, is brought to you by our buddies at Thrive Fantasy. The Thrive Fantasy app available in iTunes and Android, Apple and Android devices. Or you can just go to thrivefantasy.com. Take some of your MyBookie winnings and use it over at Thrive Fantasy and just keep growing your bankroll everywhere. Follow our DFS team here at Sports Ethos. Their podcast is called DFS Today. Mike Santino and company putting together a monstrous seven days a week offering in DFS that also includes their favorite Thrive Fantasy plays. So just go make some money off of it. Know the prop bets. What did you think? I mean, think back to yesterday. What did you think LeBron was going to do yesterday? Do you think he was going to have a big game against Houston? Did you take the over on your Thrive Fantasy lineup? Because if you did, you just got a little bit closer to cashing a ticket. ThriveFantasy.com promo code is ETHOS. Get a 100% deposit match bonus. And if you deposit $10, not only do you get the $10 match, but you get a pair of $20 contest entry tokens which is a pretty sweet deal. If you put in $100 and max out the deposit match, you get the $100 match and four contest entry tokens on top of it. So get crazy with us over at Thrive Fantasy. Prop up and show your knowledge of what the superstars are going to do and then get money from doing it. It's the best, man. Check them out. Do me a favor. Check them out at the very least. Once again, promo code over there is ethos. Uh, reminder also that our friends at manscaped.com have updated our promo code and it is now 
two promo codes. You can use HoopBall20 or Ethos20. Either one of them works. What a delight. I know. You get 20% off and free shipping on your order at Manscaped.com. I got to tell you guys, I just used my Manscaped Lawnmower 4.0. My wife used it on my neck. I used it on my sideburns. I used the uh, the trimmer head, set it to six millimeters, took down my beard so I don't look so ridiculous, set it down to three millimeters, dealt with the uh, chin area where the hair is a little bit more uh, thickly, cleaned myself up with the best sideburn trimmer, hair trimmer of any kind, on the market. That is the Lawnmower 4.0 with a light. It's a built-in LED light, a locking feature, and anti-pinch technology. Manscaped.com. Promo code Ethos20 or Hoopball20. 20% off and free shipping. Also, uh, I would love to give a big-time shout-out to their product called the Crop Shaver. It's the three-blade. And it's unbelievably smooth. I use that on my neck and on my cheeks as well, where I want to get a nice close shave, really smooth things out there. Three blade is awesome. Smooth pivoting head. The strips, lubrication strips to make sure that you're not roughing up your neck skin, your face skin, wherever you decide to use it. They just have really good stuff. And you can get replacement blades for that at manscaped.com as well. Haven't given them a shout-out in a while, so thank you once again to Manscaped. They've been our partners now for almost two full seasons. Really cool. In fact, they might be out of stock on the Crop Shaver right now. They had such a massive haul of those come off the shelves during the the Christmas season. But still, go check out what they've got over there. You're going to be impressed. I promise you. Their stuff is good. That's a nice thing to be able to say when you're doing an ad read for a partner. Their stuff is genuinely Really, really good. They only make like 15 things, and they just do them all well. You know, don't try to make everything. Make the things you're best at and stick to that, and they've done it. And tell them to send me a pair of boxers. I want some Manscaped boxers. Oh, wait a minute. Are those boxer briefs? Nah, no thanks. I'll pass on those. I want boxers. Boxer briefs. (laughs) Uh, Tomorrow on the podcast, we will break down the Wednesday card. That's kind of the plan here. Again, today, tomorrow, it's going to be card breaking down stuff again, and then Friday, we'll get you set for the new year. Um, Yeah, I don't think there's anything else I wanted to cover. Sitting here like, there must be something else, but we're 38 minutes into a show I thought was going to be 28 minutes, because that's the way the Dan Bespris model goes. Follow me on Twitter, at Dan Bespris. I'm sure I'll have more thoughts throughout the day. Uh, on what's going on in the NBA, guys into and out of protocol, streaming options, things of that nature. It's at D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Please, hey, New Year's resolution to leave a five-star review on the podcast. Ha, yeah, I know. I'll have a better one. Uh, We'll talk New Year's resolutions on social media as well. Have a lovely Wednesday, everybody. I'm Dan Bespris. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a sports ethos at Ethos Fantasy BK presentation. And we'll talk to you again Same time, same place tomorrow. So long, everybody.